Hello and welcome back to the Comic Literate Podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, mangas, penny dreadfuls, webcomics, newspaper comics, essentially any single frame illustrations where the characters use bubbles to talk or think. I'm your host, the soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my enthralling host, it's Jamie. Alright. <laughs> that was the complete opposite, <laughs> that was the complete opposite of enthralling. I know, that's what I did it. <laughs> you're, make, you're making me look bad. <laughs> I'm going to warn you, there's a horny cat. That sounds bad every time. <laughs> every week we say it. Well, she's she's in season again. Yes, and she's due to be due to be medically treated for that by being fixed. Yeah, yeah, that's. that's I don't know what the the scientific term is. Spade. Spade for sure. That that'll do. We're getting we're getting a uterus scoop type poor little thing, and I'm a miserable cunt today. <laughs> I mean, what? Thank God this isn't YouTube because they don't allow you to swear within the first like X amount of minutes or seconds or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But this is the. The wild west of podcasts where maybe it's kid friendly, maybe it's not. We'll never know. Roll the dice and have a listen. (laughs) We will see. Well, I mean, I was about to ask you how you're doing anyway, but you've already answered that question anyway. So, um... yeah, I bricked my phone. Yeah, I was waiting for you to ask me how I was doing. But <laughs> how are you? No, no, let's go with the brick phone first. How are you? The brick phone is interesting. Yeah, no, I smashed my phone up. Didn't mean to. I was on a. I think. I think I was like on an adrenal. Um, valley. So I'd just gotten a tattoo, and then I always come out of that experience a little bit drained, like a little bit. Because your body thinks you've been in a fight. Yeah, this is you've it. Been stabbed with a tiny needle a million times. Yeah, I'm always just a bit useless and weepy. And uh, and I was in the rain, and I was waiting for someone. I dropped my phone on the floor. And remember when you used to be able to drop a phone, and like the screen would crack, and everything would be all right. I mean, I do that now still, but yeah, I no, buy by cheap phones for that reason. Yeah, so they they use a different type of screen now on phones. When you crack the screen, the whole it just stops. It just gives up. So I've got the top third and the bottom third, and I've been desperately trying to like get this phone ready to trade it in with without any access. And um, two of the digits in my passcode are right on the broken bit, <laughs> and so it's saying that because I haven't entered my passcode for seventy two hours, it won't use my thumbprint or my face anymore. And so it's just sat there locked with 98% battery. There's definitely a conspiracy theory about uh, phones being more delicate because you break them and then have to replace them and spend more money. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I've got no evidence to support it either way. It just seems like, it sounds like a thing that's true. It's not it? a conspiracy theory. It's a genuine thing that manufacturers do called built-in obsolescence. Well, so I, I was about to try and say that exact phrase. I was going to say planned obsolescence, and I probably would have got that wrong. Built-in uh, obsolescence. Obsolescence or obsolescence? Obsolescence. 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 Yeah. Obsolete. Obsolescence. Obsolescence. Okay. I know I have a Norfolk <laughs> accent, but I promise you... That's probably... Uh, <laughs> or I say, that's probably planned obsolescence. That that's is. a bit of built-in obsolescence. <laughs> that is, my man. That'll be all right, boy. I always thought that referred to software because that has a thing with like RAM and building up and starting slowing down and stuff. So I, I didn't realize it applied to hardware. That's the difference. Yeah, no, it's... um Because the software, you can literally build it in like at this date, stop working or it's work worse. See also cars and computers. Yeah, yeah. So they they build things now that can't be fixed. And have cheaper, weaker materials. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with cars, it makes a lot of sense because they've had to build them so they crumple when you crash so you don't die in them as often. Um, but with phones, it's become... I think with phones, it's the necessity of the... You know, the way they're building the screens now to cram more pixels in them and make the touchscreens more responsive. Hmm. They're having to 
build them in such a way that once they crack, they just die. Um, but no, it's um, it's been a miserable experience. So ensure ensure your electronics, kids, or just buy and train a bunch of pigeons. And speaking of uh, shitty machines that don't work properly and then die, uh, we're talking about Darth Vader today. (laughs) Normally we don't get to that as early, but that was too good a segue to pass up. Yeah. One thing I'll say about phones is mine is making me scared for my well-being, uh, but not in the way people think. Uh, There's a thing on Samsung phones. I don't know if it's all of them or if it's just mine. Is it just the porn you're watching at the moment? I mean, not on the phone, obviously. No? No, it's too small a screen. But anyway... The what kind of porn are you watching? Cinema. Anyway. <laughs> Do you go to... Yeah, just got my own cinema, yeah. You and all the other pervs in the trench coats, right? No, no, just mine, just me alone. I buy the whole cinema with tickets. It's the most expensive wank anyone's ever had. I wonder what the most expensive wank anybody's ever had is. I mean, it's probably not in the Guinness Book of World Records for obvious Fucking reasons. should be. Well, yes, who's going to own up to it? <laughs> you spent a million pounds on that, like... <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can i be in the book now it's like are you do you want the shame are you gonna be shamed i want the certificate <laughs> yes there's gonna be a creep who just doesn't see anything wrong with it it's like yeah and what give me the give me the certificate i'm very sex positive oh yeah as we should be in this day and age obviously. absolutely yes but also if you're spending a million pounds on a wank reevaluate your <laughs> reevaluate your life choices where's where, where's the costs in a million pound wank i don't know i was gonna say something and now we're on this tangent but my point was, I've done it. I've I know. derailed him. <laughs> so my point was, my thing, my phone has a thing where it will tell tell me once a week how much more I used my phone than the previous week. It's a digital well being. Oh, box, that's right? horrible. But the problem is, right? That in itself can be bad enough because you go, "Plenty on, used it like two more hours than than last week." Whatever. Mm. Thing is, it's been going on my phone for at least two months, like mm. that I can remember, probably longer. It's always more. It's always more. It's always you used an hour more or two hours more than last week. But it's been telling me that for two months. How many extra hours before I can't physically use it? (laughs) That's my point. So it's making me feel bad. But then I did some quick maths. I was like, that can't be right. It's it's got to bottom out at some point. Well, yeah, exactly. At one point it goes, you spent every waking hour on your phone assuming you were getting eight hours of sleep a night yeah it had to get to that point but that would have been like a month ago because i don't have that many (laughs) that was february (laughs) it should it should have been exactly i mean not to delve too far into the specifics of your personal life but you're on the apps at the moment surely that's like i use the phone like i i'm i'm a a proper lurker for reddit i will say that's my my, my most used app but so fair enough if the phone says you're using your phone more than most people i'd be like fair enough that's probably true can't dispute that <laughs> this but has when, riled you but this when, is really riled you i've never seen you like this because it, it's on mondays so it's on monday mornings <laughs> which is the worst day to tell someone how much they used their phone last week if you spent at least one of your weekend nights not doing anything except scrolling reddit while watching a film and then on monday it was by the way you used your phone quite a bit like <laughs> I know I did. So I, I got it today and I was like, right, I'm going to mention this later. <laughs> and But that's my point is it can't be accurate because yeah, otherwise I wouldn't so have many any hours. free time. We all have the same 24 hours, Ryan. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, no, I agree. I completely... So I'm calling bullshit. I think there might be a larger conspiracy that's like, if we tell people they're using their phones, they'll be depressed and then use it more because yeah. that's how the, the vicious cycles of addiction work. 
man, big internet have got you. I mean, it's not surprising. Like, if it came out tomorrow in the news, like, by the way, the the big tech companies are doing this, everyone would be like, yeah, all right. That makes sense. I didn't uh, think they were, but now you've told me, yes, I believe it. I'm going to complain about it on Twitter. Oh, wait. <laughs> yes. I, I, better, <laughs> I better share this article. Ooh, you're kind of proving that point. Uh, I don't have any real-life friends anymore. I can't tell anyone yeah, in person. This is it. So, yeah, that's my gripe. Uh, it's what... It's what my grind and my gears, uh, weekly. All mer- right, it's- Peter Griffin. Uh, no, we can't. We can't. We can't. We that have- was a that was a saying long before and long after. So. I know, but they do not own the rights to grind my gears, despite what they how often they use it or how uh, often it gets shared. Can we call it? Um, the, can, this can, is why it's such a good saying because it already encompasses. Everything. We haven't yeah. needed another one. Can it be the thing that really pulled your tinkle this week? I've already got issues with issues, but this isn't an issue. This is an issue in, in one sense, not two sense. So I can't, you know, use it for that. Yeah, the internet isn't episodic. I'd be good if it was. Yeah, to wait a week to use it again. On this season of the internet, we all yeah. despair over our perspiring lives. And you have to wait a week before you can use it again. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? The amount of dick pics that would have to be sent in such a short time. <laughs> The window of internet's opened. <laughs> Send the dick pics. Like, it's just a wave of... stream of them. You know that oh, sort of gif of, like, arrows blocking out the sun, but it's dick pics being shot out of, like, a, a cliff of, like, diff, di- <laughs> dick pics eclipsing the sun and coming down on, unfortunately, poor women. Like starlings. Yes. And by poor, I mean not class poor. I mean, like, unfortunate they have yeah. to deal with that. Yeah, I know. Do you, ever, do you ever wonder, though, have you ever, like, I'd just like to be a woman on Tinder for an hour just to see the sheer quantity of penises that I will be sent? I've got an idea of it from having spoken to real-life women. Um, wow. I know. That's new. It's a, this is in a podcast on the internet. You have to establish, like, by the way, they exist. But I've got an idea of it, and I, it doesn't sound good. I don't want to, I wouldn't want to create, go through the effort of creating a uh, profile to be like, oh, this is horrible, and then, you know, leave it. Mm. But anyway, um, we have, well, I have a corner that I can address in my Moving Images corner. Do you have a Too Many Words corner? I've been reading the best books. Oh, we've both got things then. Yeah, I've been reading two books. One of them is really serious and really boring, and one of them is really not serious and really interesting. Which one would you like to hear about? Well, you know me, I love boring stuff. Okay. That's why we started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, give me, give me the interesting. Give me the interesting. I, I'm scared you'd take me seriously there. It's called Don't Tell My Mum I Work on the Rigs. She thinks I'm a piano player in a whorehouse. Nice. About a bloke who worked on oil rigs, but he just had the most fantastical life. There was a period where he was living in a house with a bunch of other riggers, and they had a pet monkey, and the monkey smoked cigarettes and got really horny and aggressive. And one day locked him in the bathroom and stole the key because he was upset that he'd gone away to work on the rigs. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tony Hawk. The skateboarder? The comedian. Oh, vaguely, vaguely, yeah. No, sorry. Tony Hawk is the skateboarder. Tony Hawks is the comedian. Right. He's the guy who walked around Ireland with a fridge. Uh, you say that like I should know that? No, sorry, he didn't walk around Ireland. He hitchhiked around Ireland with a fridge. Okay. And wrote a book about it, and it was very funny. This has the same tone as that. So if anyone's read Around Ireland with a Fridge by Tony Hawks and enjoyed it, you'll really like it. It's really good. Okay. And then the other book I'm reading, Ryan, I have to tell you about The boring it. one. Yeah, the boring one. Um, It's a book about cod. 
Oh, Call of Duty is really fun. I don't know why you're saying it's boring. No, it's it's um, <laughs> it's about the fish. They have fish and cod now. Full full disclosure, I was aware of the subject of the book before I said any of that. Because I tried to tell you about it in the pub the other night, and you were like, no, Jamie, I don't want to hear about your weird cod book. (laughs) I don't want to see your cod pics. (laughs) So it's about the the historic and cultural significance of cod. Um, And I suppose one of the things that interested me most about it is uh, the Basque region in Spain, northern Spain. So Basque is not another type of fish. But, no, it's a type of person. Right. Um, they they live in what is now Spain, but have their own distinct cultural and ethnic identity. And they were able to travel further than the Vikings were because they had access to salt. And so the Vikings would dry their cod out. Thus preserving the food. So that they could travel longer by chip. Yeah, I know things. And so, yeah, the Basques made it all the way from... Spain to Canada, which is a really fucking long way when you don't have a freezer for your food. And they did it all with the power of salted cod. And they became incredibly wealthy through the salt cod trade. And it's just interesting how empires rise and fall based on such... Based on things that in our society seem so trivial. Yeah. Because we all... Well, mostly, if you're not experiencing extreme poverty... Yeah, have access to like a fridge and a freezer so you can preserve fresh food. But the idea of going all the way from Spain to Canada in a boat with no real engine, powered, you know, purely by the strength of your own arm, fueled with salted cod. Quite interesting. I feel like I've been entertained in a similar way where if you went on a school trip somewhere and you've got an excited <laughs> tour guide... Who's like, let me tell you the fascinating story of salted cod. And you've got your teacher who's looking after you. It's like hung over and like barely paying attention. Mm. That's the kind of energy I got there. And that's not a bad thing. That's the not a bad thing. Book one food book of the year, the year it was published. Book, book of the year or food book of the year? Food book of the year. Okay. So it was s- the best book about food. Salted cod had some serious uh, competition, I'm guessing. From- yeah. <laughs> From other food that cause revolutionary uh, advances in technology. Yeah, the tin salmon people were hot on their heels. Yeah, tinning is a good one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that. Thank you for bringing that to us. You're uh, welcome. I'm, I, I'm I'm pleased to be able to enlighten you. You don't with want my to, tales of the codfish. Are you able to bring more like weekly cod facts or something like that? Oh mate, if we, yeah, I'll do a I'll do a cod fact next time. Yeah, just a, a little tidbit. We don't want to spend. Too, we don't want to dedicate too much time on the. <laughs> 45 minutes in, I'm still talking about cod patterns on their scales or something. The, it, it became a cod-based podcast so slowly <laughs> that we barely ever noticed. Cod pod? Cod pod. All right. Well, once we get the Patreon up and running and we have a paywall that people are paying to cod enter. Pod. Cod pod. Can I will, do cod pod? Cod pod will be a thing. Oh, cod pod will be great. It's cod. made me really want chips. I mean, speaking about cod, yeah, that'll, that'll always do it. Mm. Um. My corner uh, is, well, you know how normally my usual thing is I will come in having seen some some horrific horror, whether it be gory violence or psychological um, terror, trauma, you know, those kind of mm. things. Uh, 
those kind of weird things. Uh, this week I watched uh, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Isn't it incredible? It's so amazing. I I took the, we took the kids to see it. It's uh, it has no right to be as good as it is. I know. I re I I enjoy I enjoyed the premise thoroughly. The idea that he'd run through eight of his nine lives and he was on his last one. Yes. What was interesting is um, it's it spoke to me in the same way that we always talk about superhero comics and mm. the ones that do really well, the ones that no one gives a shit about. So they'll give a character to someone. This was someone who had a great idea that you could even put on to you could put onto most cartoon characters or you mm. know a general a theme as such, and was just like someone's like. We're making a Puss in Boots film. We don't care what happens in it. Do you want to do it? And they go, oh, yeah, I've actually got a really good story. They go, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, just get out. I think that was what happened. Do you not think, though, that in the same way that the most recent Star Wars trilogy was a reskinning of the original trill, this was kind of a reskinning of the Shrek movie? I don't think so, only because the marketing was pretty shit. Think about the dynamic between Puss and the Chihuahua and Shrek and Donkey in terms oh, yeah, of there's they... not a strong correlation there. Yeah, but I think that's more of a that's more of a um, trope of the genre, specifically ki- kids films where characters go on an adventure. Yeah. So they, they, what was good about the film was that they use other characters in like really tight mechanical way storytelling yeah. ways so this character had this influence on the main character this character you know it it was it had it's like chess pieces like a story and it was like right mm. move them here there this there and when you look at it from a storytelling perspective it's like really tight and well well constructed like a clock you know like a mechanical thing whoever C- was playing that game played c4 on their first move didn't yes they? but what was- that's a chess reference I just anybody... I, I knew C4 was it was either that or explosive, so I just said yes to whatever you were <laughs> wherever you were saying. But um B4's yeah. the first move in an English. Yes. On a on when you're playing as white, if you're playing the English, it's C4. Yes. A chess reference for everybody for the one person who listens to the podcast who also happens to like chess. Or it's plastic explosives if you're American. Um hey, but... <laughs> you made it funny. You pulled it back around. <laughs> So making chess funny is, uh, <laughs> I mean, the people do that already. But anyway, um, yeah, so it was very, like, the storytelling was really good, really admired how it's done, but, and paired with the amazing uh, look and animation, mm. like, again, that came out, as soon as first frame, you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then when, because you get a bit of a uh, background story thing yeah. at first, which looks great, but sometimes that's different to the rest of the film. When the film then properly starts, you're like, oh no, it's this, it's gonna be this good for the entire thing. I love the way it dealt with action sequences, where it would kind of glitch into that almost 2D animation style just for the action sequences. So it really pulled you in and made it feel like everything was happening really fast. Yes. I enjoyed that. It flowed amazingly oh, well. It was great. But on top of everything else, what a, a Shrek related film needed to be, on mm. top of everything else, was genuinely funny and, and it was kids films hit and miss because if it's aimed at kids which shrek still technically is even though it's more of a millennial yeah like, like our generation grew up with shrek um but even despite that sometimes they'll just like phone it in they're like kids film just throw in like but some slapstick and that's fine this was genuinely funny actually made me laugh a lot of the time as well um just overall great and highly recommended to everyone it was yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah. I've got one qualm, and I was surprised to have this one qualm, and it's nitpicking mm. as well. But, well, it might be nitpicking, it's it's at the end. So, spoilers, if you don't want, we'll, we'll do a minute or two max on the ending, but just skip ahead, but please go see it if you, if you haven't seen it. 
the ending, he's chased by death. Who? Fantastic character. Love Whoa. when he was on. He was the. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a meme about like two kinds of puss and boot fans one was like i really like how the character dealt with like anxiety attacks and the fear of yeah. death and the other one was like i fancy the wolf <laughs> like the two types of fans. it makes sense but that he's great um being death i knew he was death beforehand because I, I didn't realize i was having a good film good film spoiled for me when yeah. i read about the character being death i was like yeah. oh that's weird for a film and then so i was like amazing um in the end he fights death and in the beginning death is like faster stronger everything like he's got no chance in hell in the beginning and then in the end he's able to take him on but we don't there's no really explanation why the power of friendship well no no but here's the thing so it's just them one-on-one -on -one fighting there's fire yeah. separating them from everyone else he somehow beats him and then i get at the end death is like i will stop fighting now because i wanted i wanted the cocky laughs at death guy to be scared of me and i see you're not him anymore you've grown so mm. i get that entirely but him besting him i thought was like he's just puss has just got gotten better out of nowhere because mm. he was pretty cocky when he first fought him until then he got bested and all i all i would have changed was i thought it would have been it would have made more sense thematically if what's her name? what was the um soft hands soft claws yeah, I know, yeah, the the female the girl, girl puts some boots. So I, I'm, I know it, it's a play on hands, soft hands. She's like yeah. a thief, like she's a really cool character, voiced by. Look at me. Oh, it's, Anto it's the it's a woman who who was opposite Antonio Banderas a lot. Um, oh, that's gonna annoy. Hang on, hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up. But the point is, because I feel bad if I bring up now without um without acknowledging her, but the. She's like love interest. She's the female Puss in Boots, and there's a whole backstory of Selma Hayek. Selma, Selma Hayek, Hayek not yeah. a clue. Oh, she's she's great. Soft Paws was the character name. So, um, it, made, it would have made more sense if they had fought Death together, because the point was he the, he was go having this adventure on his own for his life. Yeah. So all this thing about him loving the adventure and his legend, but we, there was a bit where you literally saw he spent it alone a lot of yeah. the time, and that was bad. So for him to then fight death with soft paws and best him that way, or at least be on par with him, and then the message is, you don't have to be afraid of being alone and dying alone if you have welcome people into your life. Like that, I thought, would have been thematically made sense. And then death would have been like, I see you've grown because you are actually like fighting with someone. Yeah. You know, you're letting people in and you're not just laughing at death. You're actually like fighting to stay alive. So I thought that would have made more sense. But that- yeah. Again, it's a kid's film. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. And it's like nine out of ten, uh, other than that one little thing. The thing with it is, though, I think with Shrek and Shrek-related things specifically, you have to look at them as allegory because they're so firmly rooted in the fairy tale tradition. Yeah. They're playing so knowingly with fairy tale tropes that I think it would be... Yeah, I don't think it's too much of a stretch... Consider to, to look at them on an hour and on. Oh, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to look at them on an hour allegorical. You want me to leave that in for, or do you want me to take that out? Oh, I want it out. I Excise it. Because I Excise feel like. the lump. I feel like little moments like that get across, like, it makes it more real. Like, we are, we're not bullshitting. We're not like, you know what I mean? Like, I like hearing when I listen to podcasts, someone like slips up or makes a mistake. I'm yeah. Like, like, I feel like I'm in the room with real people. Yeah. Real people who can't pronounce allegorical after a long work time. I mean, allegorical is not an easy that's, one. Yeah, it's a tongue twister, isn't it? 
I mean, put it this way. If you're laughing at Jamie not being able to pr- pronounce allegorical, then when you go look up planned obsolescence and pr- pronounce that correctly, <laughs> you know? Right, take a good look in the mirror. Fuck yeah. you guys. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, Puss in Boots gets, uh, from me, like a solid four and a half swords. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, uh, assuming five swords is the maximum. Yeah, uh, yeah, four, four and a half out of five swords. I will give it nine no, eight and a half cat lives out of nine. Hey, yeah. that was so much better. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. He's got a sword. Oh, <laughs> no. Yours was, no, yours was infinitely better. I should be a movie reviewer. Anyway. <laughs> so. Today, as, we get to talk. As I said earlier, talking about mostly machines <sighs> who fail at their jobs and don't do it right and and eventually kick it kick, Kit pack it in at the end and then die. The one true lord. Yep, the one true lord, the Darth Vader. Um, specifically the 2015 run, because significance not only because it's a great comic, spoiler for that, but also um it's when Star Wars was not when Star Wars was first bought by Marvel. One of the it's the one of the early it's comic w- books they did, isn't it? It's when the comics first I say first. So I actually looked up, they actually were published by Marvel back in the eighties. Right. And then, but that was like an agreement between companies. So Disney weren't involved at all. And then they were Dark Horse for ages. Yeah. Dark Horse considered, I think, almost like the fourth biggest comic. I think at one point we're the third before Image died. But Dark Horse were like the third alternative to Marvel and DC. They did like the Buffy comic um, and some other notable ones uh, as well. And then in 2015, went back to Disney uh, after the merger and after, well, merger, purchase of Lucasfilm. Yeah, so it's it's one of the first comic books after Disney, uh, sorry, Star Wars and Marvel were under the same parent corporation. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so it made it made ultimate sense for Disney to start putting the Star Wars stuff out under the Marvel imprint. And because I, I remember when we talked about it, I said I wanted to do the Vader comic, and you were like, "Oh, the twenty twenty one." And I was like, "No, older." And we kind of both had a look at a couple of issues of both and agreed on this one because it grabbed us really early on, didn't it? Yes. The um the so I've got my little my little blurbs for it, obviously. Um You have to. Um I'd be surprised if you haven't you're about to say the same thing that I was about to say. What's that? Well no, you go first because you were started. Well, you have to tell me that it's in a galaxy. Oh, okay. No, so far, I was, far away. I was gonna do something a little similar. So so I've got some blurbs. Um but there's no voice over the scroll, is there? No, but what there is, um, so there is, a, they do the scroll in the comic, which is actually like the first couple pages is a great thing. They do the, a long time ago, Galaxy Far, Far Away, and then they do the, bah! but obviously just a page of Darth Vader Star Wars, but it's that thing, like the, da, 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 da. did you read the scroll on every issue? No, I read the first one. I read, I read all the scrolls. I really the, enjoyed them. But what the scroll did remind me of was in the way that it's written, and I only kind of put the two together, in the Clone Wars TV show, right? Yeah, they would have a, an, a voiceover, like an old-timey radio, like war correspondent radio one. So I'm going to do it like that. So I'm going to do something like that. Well, like Quagmire. No, 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 no. Like, you'll, you'll see what I mean. I'll, you'll, I mean, if I do it right, you'll see what... You'll okay. hear what I mean if okay, I do it right. Go. But no, so uh, normal blurbs first, just a normal... So these are just like quick breakdown. Um, so a uh, little backstory on, as we were saying earlier, 2015, Marvel released a 25 series issue, Darth Vader, written by Kieran Gillen, who I only know from beforehand, he like this, uh, he more recently wrote a series called Die, and it's a kind of D&D fantasy series. 
is people get sucked into a game of D&D. And oh, have cool. to, it's not D&D for legal reasons, yeah. but, it's, but it's D&D. It's a tabletop role-playing game. Like. Yeah, but it's a great series. If uh, anyone's checked that out, any interest at all, really fun adult-like. It's like a, the kids grow up and then have to go back as adults. And Jumanji. it's like, yeah, yeah. It's definitely heavy Jumanji, D&D mix, but really well Jumanji, written. Narnia. Yeah. They it, both play with that trope, don't they? Exactly, yeah. So, uh, folks, so this series focuses on the Sith Lord in the aftermath of the Death Star's destruction. So post- Episode four, yep. um, whichever that retcon to the title for that one was a Return of the Jedi. No, that's the sixth one. Uh, New Hope. Force New, New Hope, yeah. Um, as well as his life after learning about his son's existence and introduces franchise fan favorite character, Dr. Afra, who I had no idea about this before reading. Sick. He's a great character. I have some. I have some notes. <laughs> but, um, this series takes place parallel to the comic book series Star Wars, which will uh, mention later as well. Um, I've got a blurb, blurb, like a blurb, blurb. But I think that covers it. But one thing I was going to bring up, and I'm kind of springing this on you. I'm kind of mm. like surprising you. I'm kind of jumping out of the bushes as you're getting home, kind of in a way, like presenting this series. Did that before? Exactly. Only to you though. Um, <laughs> I my challenge is. And this is based on a conversation we had previously on another tile we're discussing is the challenge, which I'd like to make weekly, or at least whenever we're doing something like this, is I would like you to recommend the comic. So describe the comic, give a brief synopsis of the comic and recommend as in like, if you think it's good, if you think it's bad, why they should read it, what makes it good or bad without spoiling it because you're recommending it someone to read. Do you see what I mean? Okay. So it's Jamie's no spoiler recommendation time. I've I've totally sprung this on you. Mm. If you need to take a minute, I will cut it out and it'll look like you've just you've no, just I'm created it. it. I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Have you ever worked in a toxic workplace? Do you have a challenging relationship with a patriarchal figure in your life? I mean, I'm doing this podcast right now, so. If so, <laughs> you are going to love Darth Vader the comic book. Have you ever wondered what happened after a new hope? If so, you are going to love Darth Vader, the comic book. Uh, you've gone, uh, it's interesting choice. You've gone recommendation full to advertising. Absolutely. Which I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm surprised by it. That's all. I'm just surprised. <laughs> it's an interesting choice I did not think you were going to make. But I liked it anyway. So what, what about the story? Like, what, like what, what could happen in between, you know, at the same time, tell me what happens without telling me what happens. Yeah, so. Because the layman might be like, well, why just watch the films? Like, why, why do I need to know anything else? If you enjoyed the corridor scene in Rogue, in Rogue One... I did enjoy the chorus, corridor scene in Rogue One. And you want to see... Fools getting slaughtered by a... Just mowed down by an electric sword. If you want to see the actual full power of Darth Vader that you never really get in the original trilogy, this is a really good read. If you want to see Darth Vader as a more complex character than you get to see him in any cinematic depiction, this is a really good read. I think what you get from this comic book is a closer look at Darth Vader immediately after he transitions from being Anakin to being Vader. And you're watching him um, secure his position within the structure of the Empire after making the jump from the Jedi. Fantastic. And can you give any more about what kind of challenges? Because we like to think, and this kind of speaks to something later, is what I find interesting about the book. We always think of Darth Vader as the big bad. Like, he is literally known as yeah. one of cinema's biggest, uh, greatest villains, right? 
So what challenges? Because villains typically don't face challenges. I mean, they do in real life sometimes, benign challenges. So what is interesting about someone who you think is like the head of the bad guys? What, what kind of struggles would they have? What you're seeing is an element of political intrigue. You are watching a very camp, um, bold action story where a bad guy is trying to cement their place within a structure. That's interesting. And it's, it's him cementing his place within a structure, and it's him reclaiming the thing that he was promised that made him jump ship. It's him actually having to work for the thing that Palpatine promised him before he murdered the younglings and before they executed Order 66. It's Darth Vader not becoming evil. It's not Anakin becoming Vader. It's Lord Vader becoming Darth Vader, if you will. It's Darth Vader's ascension to power. It's him accruing power and taking out rivals. And those are the challenges. And also, I think we're watching Anakin struggle with kind of deprogramming himself from being a Jedi. Mm. There are these moments where he taught, he, you know, he'll see something and it'll be like heresy. And you're like, oh, you still, you still have strong religious beliefs. Like you still belong in the, you still believe in the order that raised you. You still believe in the power of the doctrine that you absorbed. And now you're existing in a world that doesn't value those things because you destroyed them, right? Yep, that's interesting. And that's fucking interesting. That's a really fascinating story element. Yep, that's good. I think for as spoiler-free as we can get, because with a running series like this, I feel like there's spoilers in issue one. Like, I, you can spoil issue one. Oh, I thought it was it- a limited series, 25 issues only. No, sorry, but because it runs from like yeah, 1 yeah, to yeah, 25. Yeah. And also especially because it doesn't feel like it's in volumes. It might have been released originally, but it doesn't, like, I, I think it is in trade paperbacks, but it never felt like that. It yeah. never felt like you got 1 to 5, that story's done, 6 to 10. Now that story, it never, it felt like one continuous running week to week story. It did, didn't yeah, it? it absolutely did. And sometimes you would kind of go from one issue to another. And there was a whole host of unintroduced characters and you just kind of went, yeah, cool. These people are here now. But I think that adds to the kind of feeling that Darth, Darth Vader is just one of a cohort here. Yep. He's not Darth Vader, is he? He's one of a cohort of people. And I think one thing, I don't think this is a spoiler at all because you see this in the films anyway, but the, the struggle, the obstacles, I think mainly come from his relationship with... Um, uh, the Emperor, Palpatine. essentially. Palpatine, yes. So that's where the shock comes in. And this is what I was saying before about we all, like, pop culture and people who aren't properly into Star Wars or casual fans, maybe, they think of Darth Vader as he was the big bad of the original series, and then he was the hero in the prequels who turned into the, the bad guy. But you don't think of, like, it's weird to think that cinema's biggest villain had a boss. Had a bigger villain who was in charge of him, and that's like that's the reveal, obviously, mm. in those original the original um, trilogy. But that becomes the focal point of like struggle. Because if it wasn't for the Emperor, Vader would just be in charge and do whatever he wants whenever, and it'd just be like, oh, I got to wipe out another bloody rebel base, or oh, bloody me, yeah. like just going through mowing people down, like, oh, this is exhausting. But yet the, the Emperor is the one who's like, if you fuck up, I will make you pay. And I think it spoke to something. It spoke to a real life struggle that I've had, that I think a lot of people have had, 
where I've been in a corporate job and I've been micromanaged. Mm. And it really spoke to that for me. And like, I don't know about you, but I really felt myself sympathizing with Darth Vader. I mean, especially the point <laughs> where the Emperor's like, this guy's going to shadow your work from now on. And you go, yeah. Oh, Va- oh mate, Vader. Oh. I mean, he does murder with the first one. But... Well, no, he, he very, so... Spoiler. Yeah, no, sorry, he doesn't murder him, he aptly gets rid of him. Yes. So, we now go into spoiler zone because I think we've given as good a description of the general story without any details. I like how you gamed that. Yeah, yeah. What you did, because you you know how I feel about not having, you know how I feel about the spoiler-free bit of the Exactly, podcast. and then I was like, I wonder if I could challenge him to do what I want him to what do. What you did is said, <laughs> I'm going to make a game out of this, I'm going to trick his little monkey brain. Was it your um your ADHD riddle brain? It's like if I make it a, a challenge with a goal and a prize. Like... If I give him a minute to show off, mm. I can get the spoiler-free synopsis that I want. And now you're going to be thinking about this for next for next. Yeah, title as I'm well. excited for it. Exactly. <laughs> so before... please don't do that. <laughs> Dirty da- neurotypical dance monkey dance. <laughs> so before did we such a good job as well. You did a good job. You did a good job. <laughs> I I always believed you could. That was the main thing. <laughs> And I saw you doing it while it was happening. And I, mean, I, I still told, went. I told you I was doing it as I was doing it. I should have told you to fuck off, but I went along with it. I knew the allure of the challenge <laughs> would be so strong. So competitive. That me telling you it was manipulation would not matter. Yeah, absolutely. I like, get it. Hmm, he's manipulating me, but I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the best little victim. Exactly. So. <laughs> It's a weird dynamic we have on the podcast, uh, but I like to think that's why people come back, if they do. Um, so I'm pretty sure they do. Yes. Before we get into spoilers, what I'm going to do, like I said earlier, so I really like Clone Wars, and this is what I'm doing for that. Mm. Also, as a very little tidbit, I, we were talking about this before, I very recently only discovered I am a Star Wars fan, which sounds weird. Yeah, I get it. I've always described myself as as kind of into Star Wars, but never I would never go so far as to say a fan. Yeah. And it was only when we were talking that I was like, well, yeah, I've seen all the films, and I've seen the Clone Wars TV show, and obviously Rebels, because that follows on from Clone Wars, and I'm watching Bad Batch right now, and I've seen all the live action, like Mandalorian, and uh, Boba, and Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, and Andor is really good, and Rogue One's my favourite, because it's the least Star Wars Star Wars, yeah. and now I'm getting to the comics, I think I might be a fan now! <laughs> so that was a weird realisation. Was it was it even weirder when you turned around to your shelf and saw all the original nineties action figures lined up moving in box? How do they get there? <laughs> also, I'm rich, but how do they get there? How, no one can afford those now. Yeah, well, no, they're obscenely expensive. Mm. I must admit, yeah, exactly the same experience. I was watching Obi Wan and kind of thought, oh, I don't really know much about Star Wars. And then I realised I've watched both trilogies. I've seen Rogue One. I've watched The Mandalorian. I'm I was watching Obi Wan. Mm. Um. I've read a bunch of the comics over the up and uh, yeah, for, for I went for a phase of enjoying Star Wars comics and novelizations. Yeah, and there was there was one Star Wars novel from like maybe the eighties or nineties where Chewbacca got crushed by a moon. <laughs> Mate, the, the novelizations of Star Wars were wild. Well, this is an interesting one that I almost missed over earlier. Was why are we talking about the series? being re being um taken over by marvel mm. and starting anew a big point of that was there was an absolute shit ton of pre-marvel stuff which yeah. they had to outright say none of this is canon now all the, these previous stories are out the door we're doing new ones these are canon now star wars is one of those properties that i think has tiers of canon 
And so the films were always like key canon, weren't they? And the novelizations were always just, these are fun theoretical things and not really canon. So they have their own classification now for exactly that reason. They're called, they're now now referred to as uh, Star Wars Legends. So I think the the implication is meant to be these stories may have happened or something similar might have happened or that these are literally the stories, the legends in the universe. Yeah, that's so clever. So you hear a story about Chewie getting crushed by a moon. That's like over a campfire on Buddy Alderaan. Like that's, yeah. that's what people are telling each other relative to whenever it happened. Yeah. So yeah, so that's, that's a big part. And it was, it's interesting for a, a franchise to go, right, starting now, everything's canon. Like now the stuff, the extra stuff we make is canon. And I think it's incredible because it makes it possibly the most expansive cross-platform story other than maybe the Avengers stuff. Yeah, I would say it's it's had more time to be across different things. Yeah. The only thing that could compete is if like Lord of the Rings had a big comic book and video yeah. game following, which it just couldn't because the rights just, whoever owned the rights just never bothered. They. And I think they're towing this really interesting line as to which bits of the story they fill in at what times and from the perspective of which character, you know? Mm. And so I imagine Star Wars fans would get really horny for some extra Vader films. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, and I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if this limited series would make a really good film. Yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting one it, how they could go about doing that. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you took this story made it into a film, I think it'd be it'd be well received. If you condensed it into a film, yeah. I think it'd be highly or a, or a you know or a um Disney Plus series or whatever. Yeah, of course. Um, it's it's weird with Darth Vader's like we enjoy in the comic. I don't know if like live action whether you might feel too overexposed because I think that's part of why that hallway scene in Rogue One was so well received. Because you hadn't seen him properly since the original sequels. And then it was like, he's back and he killed the people and he's gone again. Like, it, it almost adds to the mystique. Full power, young Darth Vader just mm. going for it. And you don't, if you show the monster too much, they stop being as much of a monster. What's interesting about all that, the old legend stuff, is uh, the few things that they did keep going. And I think it's because Disney had a hand in them when they were being made. Or maybe, they, are they, they, either way. Clone Wars and Rebels were the few things that happened before the merger. They were like, we're keeping those. In the lull between the prequels and the sequel sequel. Yes, exactly. They were the most popular Star Wars properties, though, weren't they? Yeah, it made sense. And also, I think there were characters like, kids already like these characters. We can use them. We can make stuff. Ahsoka was the big one. Yeah, well, Anakin's apprentice. Yeah, Yeah, she was cool. Yeah, who oddly doesn't get mentioned in the sequels, in the original trilogy. Yeah, I I, I often wondered when she was going to pop up. I think it's good they they wrote her well in the sense of her not being in the main stuff mm. by spoilers for Rebels uh, for bloody um, Clone Wars and everything the way she kind of she is kicked out of the Jedi's organization and that's why she's not as close to everything uh, yeah. afterwards but she still then comes back in some of the live action stuff with Mandalorian and everything but what I always liked about Clone Wars was what I said earlier about these wartime radio correspondence yeah. and it kind of reminded me of this. So the, for some reason, the first one is the only one I read, and it reminded me of this. So it's the page one, opener, book one, Vader. 
It is a period of insurgence. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base on a moon on Yavin have won a shocking surprise victory against the rightful reign of the Galactic Empire. The Empire's ultimate peacekeeping force, the Death Star, was destroyed due to an unforeseen design flaw. Without this deterrent, the rule of law is in danger. Chaos looms. Thank you. That's why. And I didn't Thank do, I didn't do all of it, because once I started, <laughs> I was like, this is a bit extra. I'm not, I'm not going to do all of it. But uh, yeah, it just reminded me of that, and I uh, want to do that. So, overall, a uh, great written comic that... Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think one of its biggest strengths is that it makes an interesting story out of characters whose fates... Who like the main characters whose fates we know already, and yes. that's a that's a testament to not having the usual tension of what's going to happen to Vader. We know what happens to Vader, but what's going to happen in this specific situation, I think, is is good writing. I think we need to address the elephant in the room right on the top here. Uh, I think they're called. Um, I'm trying. To, they're called Luke, Rank, Leia, Rank, and Han Solo. No, I was going to say Rancors, but <laughs> hey. I was trying to have the closest Star Wars elephant. Luke, Leia, and Solo, and Chewie turn up, and their illustrations are pure jank. So I'm sorry, they're yeah. just janky. Well, so 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 specifically, there is a crossover. So at the time this comic was being released, there was a Star Wars comic. So Star Wars being mm. just Star Wars, and that comic was the adventures of Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie, and C-3PO and R2-D2. So they cross over with Vader at this point in a really interesting way. And so that's... when we see the panels that are just Luke, Leia, Chewie, whatever, are they directly lifted from the Star Wars comic? And then you see little bits of Vader in that one as well. Uh, so the, it's what happens is it's a story that is essentially printed over titles. So the, the story is six-part story, and it's read like a normal comic, but issue one is like 13 of Vader. Issue two was issue one of Vader Down, which was a one issue one issue title, and then issue three was issue fifteen of Star Wars, and then issue four was Vader again. So it's like that. It's like a story told across that way. Yeah, it's just a one singular story, but a spanning titles. It's cool. So yeah, it was it was interesting. It's a common Marvel thing. Like they've been doing this for ages, so it makes sense that once they got to, they were like, "Let's do this now because we already do it," kind of thing. Showing my distinct lack of comic book knowledge there that I just wasn't aware that was a storytelling device. That yeah, they used. but you can see why they do it because then it's like, hey, you should buy these other titles if you're not already. And then you should get caught up on those titles to see how we got to this point. Yeah, yeah. It, it's and Marvel, it works well because that makes it feel Marvel. They're always trying to get across that it's one big universe that all their characters are in. Same yeah. with DC. With this one, it's a little more like we know it's all the we know it's one universe it's star wars yeah whereas marvel has to be like hey daredevil is crossed over with spider-man because they they actually exist together whereas here we know it's all happening in the same galaxy far far away yes so (laughs) i'm gonna do that a bunch of times with your reference to the art i took a picture and sent it to you to be like of luke what is this And I'm saying it now because it's definitely going into some kind of short or or TikTok or whatever that we so are. So whatever making. we say now has to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just dead silence. <laughs> but it's the the art is ninety percent of the time great. Ninety nine percent of the time does the job is pretty good, right? Like it's it's it does the story well with every other character, particularly Vader. Yes, I think the art does so. The bloke who played Darth Vader, um, you know, the big Cornish fella. I know who you mean, yeah. He was a very big man, and so he was a little bit immobile because he was in that suit. 
it adds a very nice dynamic quality to Vader. We see him jump on and off things and we see him move and we see him pose in a way that we probably haven't seen anybody in the suit up until the comics. Yes. Or at least that, you know, in if you've if you've if your only sort of experience with Star Wars is the core films, you wouldn't have seen as active a Vader. And so I think the art the art style does a really, really good job of adding a bit of dynamic range to Vader's movements. And I really like the way that Vader's illustrated. I don't necessarily like all of the character models for the abominations. Well, it's uh, like speaking of that, the one I sent you was it was a flashback to the prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and the sequels. And it's four panels, and you've got Leia. Uh, no, Padme, sorry. Yeah. Padme looking unsad at that last meeting yeah. of theirs. And then you've got her dead in a thing, in a space casket or whatever with flowers. And then you've got the running of the trench, whatever they call it, in the Death Star. Yeah. They, they've got to run the thing and fire the thing at the end. And then the last panel, Luke looks like he, the, it looks, he looks like he's, he's activated the lightsaber and it poked him in the eye, and he's gone, ugh! Show me again. Yeah, he's... He looks like... So it's given him a Paul McCartney, like, early 60s Beatles haircut. Well, that's what he had in the films. Yeah, but not that bad, No, really. but it's the facial expression and, and the body type, because it looks like he's turned on going, oh, I didn't think it'd be that hot, like, ah. He looks like Paul McCartney busting a nut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what to compare that to, but I mean, it's. I see I'm, where you're going. For. I'm sure we could find many women who would be able to give us an accurate description. <laughs> I think it was Paul. I don't know their names too well, but it, w- it was definitely one of them. <laughs> definitely one of them. So I've got another one I took that I didn't send you because I okay. thought I wanted to get your live reaction okay. here. I'll, I'll, it was an, it was I'll an, describe it live. So it's from the crossover. So it's Leia. Yeah. Right. And well, I'll show you the panel. Um. Darth Vader's starting up a lightsaber fight with a, one of those fake Siths. Yep. I mean, you've seen it because you read it, but doesn't she look like she's breakdancing out of fear? Yeah, it looks like Millie Bobby Brown is being told to breakdance in a Saw movie. Yes. Like, yeah, because it doesn't look like Carrie Fisher at all. No, exactly. And that's the problem is the art is great most of the time. And then every once in a while, there's just one of these panels that just goes, you just go, whoa, like... It's only when we're seeing the cartoon portraits of the original cast of the original trilogy that it gets a bit junk. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you are making a comic book based on a very, very famous film with very iconic, recognizable characters, I think it would be the wrong creative choice to just make a new character design that doesn't look anything like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher. But also, I think there are ways of capturing somebody in an illustration that aren't that rough. They've gone for they've gone for a really dead on, almost photorealistic style, but in a cartoon, and so it just doesn't wash for me. Do you think it's that they had particular particular shots they wanted to illustrate? but they didn't have a specific reference of a real person. So they've tried to make one that looks like an existing person. Yeah. Whereas if it was a fictional character, you're like, well, they look like how I want them to look like. So you don't have to yeah. try and make it look like anyone else. That's the serious answer, I think. The yeah. funny one is <laughs> Luke just goes, turns on a lightsaber, goes, Ugh! <laughs> which I just, that's what I had in my head. 
Harrison Ford looked the best out of all of them. Yeah, and he was, but he was such a classically handsome guy in the beginning that I think it's just like, what's a handsome bloke look like? There yeah. you go. That's the reference. And he also wasn't a particularly facially expressive actor, was he? He was quite non. He was quite subtle. I think he was a a subtle facial expression kind of actor. Oh, no shade on Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's, he was excellent mm. in the start. He's an excellent actor. He was really good as Han Solo. Yeah, but you never see him doing like a shocked face. Like, yeah, Whoa! exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing hyperbolic in his performance. Yeah. His Mark Hamill was a bit. Wee! <laughs> yeah. uh, Harrison Ford's reactions ra- range from like ooh and mm. yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's his... so perfect. Yeah, but he does the job. It does the job. That's just the character. All his characters happen to be that as well. That gripe out of the way, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, oh, who was the bloke with the weird eye who had the fake Jedi's? What was his name? I know what you mean. I I didn't take his name. Uh, I took one name, which we'll get to later. But I there's a guy who is making budget Sith or like fake Sith. Yeah, maybe. so he's cybernetically enhancing people, um, and training them to be like Sith Jedi people, mm. and they're they're fun characters because mm. these are where. The conflict that we were talking about has come from because Darth Vader has been introduced into a cohort of these people and uh, three of them are lightsaber wielders. One of them is the same species as Admiral Akbar. Yep. But they've grievoused him. (laughs) There's there's a Star Wars um, uh, adverb to to grievous something is to make them like grievous yeah yeah a robot with four arms that wields mm. a bunch of pin- pilfered lightsabers and that's a good thing for fans i think when they're like oh that's that thing from before mm. because if you have that technology it's weird when you never see a grievous again because like, yeah. well, that technology exists you can make a you can make an army of grievances if you wanted yeah so it's weird that no one else has utilized it and then in a comic like this you go brilliant that, that makes sense and then yeah there's the two blonde twins who look very much like traditional Jedi, don't they? But neither of them are Force-sensitive. Well, they attack Vader first, so that gives you that kind of like, what's going on here? And then when you see the team, you're like, I've, I've got an inkling now of what's going yeah. on. I thought there was good writing to, in a very small way, get across what's happening mm. when Vader's being attacked by people with lightsabers, yeah. and he goes, oh, there's no Force here. Like, I can't sense any Force. Yeah. So that, in a short burst, little tells you, gives you a pretty clear idea what's These going on Jedi. before it's explained, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think the charm of this series is watching Vader quietly and incrementally dispatch of all of these people mm. that he's being asked to compete with. Well, one thing I was just about the art, which kind of comes back into that as well, is we were saying about like facial expressions and the art. I think what it does really well, well, what it does really well is it gets across Vader's um, on what he's feeling and thinking underneath, yeah. despite wearing a, a stationary mask, a static mask. But when I had that thought, I did also have the thought of that might have been a feature of the original design from the original films, like having that kind of almost a face without any expression, but still yeah. managing to have expression in it. I think it could be put down to the original design being that for that purpose rather than the talent of the artist. Yeah, but that, I I still think they did a good job of kind of mobilizing that puppet, so to speak. Yeah, in the same way that whoever was under the mask, again, can't remember his name, but whoever was under the mask in the original films did that in live action. This artist has done that for their characters in this. David Prowse. Yeah. He got kicked off, I think, because he kept giving away like spoilers or something at Comic-Cons. He was like, by the way, the next film, like, 
I well, think he, I heard that. He was only Vader in the in the original trailer. He didn't get invited back to be Vader in the prequels. They just hmm. stuck what's a guy name? in stilts. No, it was um, what's his name? Christian. Christian Hadeson. Yeah, yeah. Anakin. Yeah. They they had to make the suit a bit smaller for him. But have you ever seen? There's footage of the original recordings where David Proust is actually speaking the lines. Oh yeah, I vaguely heard that. Yeah, and he has this big Cornish accent because that was the plan. And then they got in James L. Jones to record over. We'll dub over it yeah. because David Prowse's lines were just completely on you. It'd be like, "Already that <laughs> like he sounded really piratey," and it kind of made Darth Vader, who let's face it, already looks a little bit silly sound very silly and james l jones i think brought a dignity to the role that (laughs) david price did not have but david price was the perfect vader because he was so big and he moved so well you know what i mean he moved like vader should i think but james l jones had the voice of someone who should who looks like that fucking for sure yeah but it's interesting that like you said before about how the original trilogy how vader's never moved this much or been this Mm. deadly and i think that's to a modern audience, not counting Rogue One for obvious reasons, but modern fans have not seen a Vader do this much because of the constraints of the original trilogy. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. And I could not help, but as you said earlier, read all the lines in James L. Jones' voice. Yeah, absolutely. There's And there's a limited number of characters who are so universally known that anyone, almost anyone, could pick this comic up and have that exact same thing. Yeah. Whereas even like Obi-Wan's voice, people might have Ewan McGregor, they might have the original Nigel... Oh, come on. McGuinness? Alec Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. You know Nigel McGuinness is a wrestler. That's why I heard that. No, Alec Guinness, yeah, who famously hated Star Wars. I think he was like not... He was totally not bothered about it Well, he just thought it was a bit silly, didn't he? And he's not wrong. I mean, as I say, as as a newly confessed fan, he ain't wrong. I would say that um, Ewan McGregor did a great job of being a young Alec Guinness. Like, his hello there is a little bit more, ooh, but it's still good. It's an but, aged one. Yeah, hello there. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the action scenes. Going back to Supergirl mm. the other week, where we talked about cluttering the page with text during action scenes. Yes. This comic did a really good job of letting the action scenes breathe. Yes. And And they scanned beautifully, didn't they? They scanned really beautifully and you kind of, I felt the pace increase when the action scenes happened. You know when Aether is trying to rob that place and you're seeing a duck underneath things and the panels, because they're the same thing, but with one little character model moving, they scanned really quickly because there wasn't much new visual information to take in. And then suddenly when she gets to those lasers that she has to crawl through, it necessitates it slowing down a little bit, but they give you more visual information that you need to register in each panel. Mm. So naturally, as she's running, you're scanning really quickly. And then when she stops to crawl, you slow down as well. And I just felt that when they had those action scenes and they were transitioning in and out of the action scenes, it controlled the pace so well with the way it gave you the visual information, that I've just felt it scanned beautifully. And specifically, panel layout, which we always keep coming back to. I feel like panel layout, as we're discovering, I think is like the secret source of good comics. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I I would agree. The one that people don't, you you rarely hear people talking about, except unless you're talking to an actual writer or an artist. There was a good use of horizontal thirds. 
that mm. I really liked. You know, like yeah, um, you if you you literally uh, a page split into three panels horizontally, yeah, and they scanned really beautifully. But then you'd turn over the next page, and there'd just be this gorgeous full page illustration of Vader doing something. Yeah, good stuff. And lack of internal dialogue is also very good for Vader because, like I said before about overexposing him, he you see him a lot in this, but you rarely hear him talk or voice an opinion. So if yeah. he was, if he was, um, what's the term? If he was. If he was monologuing, <laughs> all right. It took me a while to come up with a name. I'm gonna take it out anyway because it doesn't sound good. I'm but it took me to editing Ryan. It took me a while to remember the word monologue. If you do that, you're losing all your credibility. What credibility? <laughs> <laughs> so Vader monologuing would have been weird. It would yeah, have been like been. it would have been. He would have been like, ah, the Emperor's up my ass, and now I've got to play. Oh, he won't let me get off, and I hate this bloke who's shadowing me now. And ugh. it's the fact that he rarely speaks adds way more gravity to when he does speak. He just quietly gets on with it, doesn't yeah. he? And that's an issue I have with Batman comics. They have Batman monologuing a lot, and it's always like, this city, dirty, and I'm, I'm, it's corrupt, but um, I'm going to make the criminals fear me because they're a superstitious lot. It's like... You want your stoic anti-hero to exactly. be stoic. Yes. I like a Batman who rarely speaks, because then when he does, it's and it, and it ought to also be good when he does... Because it just adds more weight and gravitas. Yeah, and we obviously know what the revelations are going to be, and so we—I was waiting for him to find out Luke's surname, right? Like, yeah. This—it's between these two films that you kind of between those two films yeah, yeah. that Vader finds out who Luke is, right? Yeah, and that's where this comic is set. So you're like, this is where that character revelation has, and I love that that happened in a way that he wasn't able to reveal. So he's quietly having these revelations and he's quietly plotting and he's quietly getting on with things and he's acting with discretion because he knows that there's a knife ready to go in his back the whole time. And it's there's some really nice subtlety in the story. So when he has the second bloke watching him Mm. and he uses a Jedi mind trick on him to make him think that not following Aether is his idea, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's so subtle and it's so clever. And it, I kind of had to read it. I didn't have to read it twice, but it took me a second to realize what was happening. Yeah. And then when we get to the reveal point where they're in front of Palpatine telling them what happened, Vader owns up to the fact that it was his idea and makes the guy grateful to him. And so he implants an idea in his head, makes him think it's his, and then makes him grateful for not telling anybody that it was, it was his idea. And it's mm. like, that's such a good character moment and it would have been spoiled if we had a monologue where vader said oh well actually yeah actually i used my jedi mind tricks on him there and i it, it, so it would have spoiled it wouldn't it yeah and you have to it, it gives you just enough for you to infer what's happening yeah without explicitly telling you sometimes you might have to go back and be like hang on what happened at the last page and go over but it's not so much that you go i i'm completely lost i have no idea it's like just a little bit where you go Oh, hang on, what happened there again? And you reread, you go, right, I've got it now. Or I think I know what's happening. I would rather something that I'm reading credit with yeah. me the intel credit me with the intelligence to understand what it's inferring. Of course. And miss something. Yeah. Than have it spell everything out to me when I don't need it to. Well, finding that balance is it can be the difficult part, and I think mm. this does a good job of striking that balance. Yeah, it does. Mm. And I agree with you. I think having a quiet Vader here helps. Yeah. There's some good lines that even though because Vader's the least speaking, other characters tend to talk quite a bit more. Yeah. There's one particular line I thought was partic- was good. 
from Palpatine of all people. And he goes, he's, he's t- given Vader a talking down, which in yeah. itself is a weird thing, but it's so important to the story. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic. It's like when you go around your mate's house and they get in trouble in front of you and you're just standing there like, oh, yeah. Hell. But um, Palpatine goes, oh, you truly are. You truly are the chosen one, Vader. Chosen to be the one responsible. I was like, ooh, sick burn. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because he was the only one who let the Death Star get destroyed that didn't die on the Death Star, isn't Exactly. It? But I thought it was just an extra little bit of sass that Palpatine was like, he was alone. He, was like, he thought of the lines like, I can't wait to use that one. <laughs> it's such a good line. Um, classic Vader antics, uh, like going to slaughter Tusken Raiders, which I think at this point is basically his self-care routine. Yeah, absolutely. When things are getting too stressful at work, he's like, I need to just get out of there and just murder Tuscan village. I mean, so we're seeing more of Vader and we're seeing him as quite a not a relatable character, but I think I think I think the challenge of this is that you're supposed to relate with him a little bit, and then he does shit like that. Yes, exactly. And it reminds you who he is. And yeah. you don't and there's times when you see him in action, but there are times when you just see the aftermath, and I think those panels are more powerful. Yeah. Where you just see him walking out of a place, his lightsaber's out, and there is a pile of bodies behind him. Yeah. And you can only imagine how much force shenanigans went into that, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 a real testament that you can obviously, with heroes or anti-heroes, or, mm. which you could argue he is in this, but protagonists, protagonists in general, no matter yeah. who they are, wherever they are on the morality spectrum, if you show them struggling to do something and also show why they want to achieve mm. said something or what their goals are and why they want to achieve them unless they're explicitly bad or evil then you can get on board and in this he apart from occasionally slaughtering some people that's never the goal like yeah. his goal isn't to go out to be like i want to kill people i want to rule the galaxy i want to take over he's his struggle is protecting his current spot his yeah. current place in the hierarchy his status and again like you said before we've all related to that business world kind of or any kind of work thing was like someone's come in and you're you're threatened in what you're doing so as long as his goal isn't evil or murder his goal is yes um preservation preservation. of power exactly preservation of power and good storytelling makes you forget all the evil shit and this cut why i say enter here is like it's similar with bloody um walter white and breaking bad yep it's a slow descent into evil but it's his goals are always explained why we're cheap why he's doing what he's doing yeah i think what's interesting is it's we're presented an almost almost omnipotent vader in the star wars films and this sits between the second and third in the trill and we're seeing first and first and second first and second but in the first film we're presented an almost omnipotent vader who is ruling with an iron fist and what we're actually seeing is that power slip away from him a bit from those between those two movies and yeah i find it a bit challenging to reconcile that with the vader we see for the rest of the trilogy who remains incredibly powerful well this explicitly what i was saying before is he is shadowed by people who the emperor appoints and says look you listen to me i'm he's gonna watch you under my order yeah so essentially he what he says goes because i tell you but you can tell vader's like yeah all right and then as soon as it's just them he goes 
I don't, I don't treat, I'm not treating you with the same respect or reverence that I treat the emperor. Well, I think what, what happens particularly, well, the first one he just dispatches of makes it look like he's an informer from the rebels. Which was a clever little thing because you wonder what the, the R2 unit or whatever is doing. And then afterwards he's like, yep, we found evidence of, uh, evidence of, um, corruption or whatever. It was him. And it never explicitly, he's not like, good job R2 with the download that you just put that together and you go, oh, that's why he was, that's what happened. He, he does, he does, he does, does he do that? yeah, he compliments uh, the droids. Well, but always, in a really subtle way. He just gives it's a it, single a little, panel. He gives him a little fist bump after like, yeah, fist bump to a, whatever, like a, the arm that comes out of the R2s. Yeah. They just give like a little kind of thing. Something that interested me is the droids. The droids are cool. And the- so Aether restores droids. Aether or Aphra? What are we going with? Because there's Aphra? the problem with comic reading, isn't there? You don't Can get we go the... with Aphra? Uh, that's what I was going just as a default. Aphra. Yeah. So Could Aphra, turn out to be Aphra. Aphra, who we haven't really talked about yet, mm. um, is a rogue archaeologist, is how she describes herself. She, I thought it was a cute um, Indiana Jones. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, but she restores droids, but she restores really murdery ones. And so there is a C-3PO unit who is a... Because C-3PO is a... Um, like a hospitality droid, I think is... Yeah, there's know? a there's a specific name for it. He is a protocol droid. Right, right. So he speaks a lot of languages. He's diplomatic. But this one had a bunch of the protocol code taken out to make room for torture. Mm-hmm. And so he's a really murdery C-3PO. And then you've got a droid that is a similar model to an R2-D2, but it's a battle droid. So basically, it's evil C-3PO and R2. And R2 is explicitly... Uh, C3, the, the evil C-3, Triple O. Yeah. Triple O just wants to torture people, and the evil R2, B2, BT, yeah. just wants to k- kill people. Yeah. So there, there's that funny mirror image of the originals. BT doesn't really just want to kill people. BT is just incredibly good at it. Yeah. But triple, yeah, triple zero, triple O is so murdery and there's so many little jokes about him not liking organics. And he says, well, I do like organics. What do I like about organics? The smell of their flesh burning. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. wow, that's dark. And especially um, the the way he's aware of uh, being under... So he is programmed to want to do that to everyone else, but Afra and by extension Vader. Yeah. So Afra has the control, and she kind of also she kind of keys in Vader as like a co-admin or whatever, like whatever you know, administrator. Like, by the way, don't murder him. She as well. added some. She had yeah. She she explicitly says I added a few inhibitor codes that yeah. mean it won't. But what's good me. about it is he he's not just like I want to torture everyone except you because you're the administrator. He's like I want to torture everyone, and I would do it to you if it wasn't for the administrator codes. So yeah, like, exactly. And Afra's just like yeah, I'm used to it by now. Like I don't care, but. It's so fun watching, because, you know, C3, C3PO is a fun Star Wars character. One of my favorite jokes of all time was at Old Simpsons, um, where it was a Halloween episode. Or, no, not even a Halloween, maybe. But it was a, it was a Star Wars themed episode, I think. Mm. But basically, it was like, the sci-fi convention is coming to Springfield, and we're also going to have robot wrestling with the Battlestar Galactica droid versus the gay droids from Star Wars. And Aww. it's just C-3PO getting like body slammed. He's like, R2, help me, please. <laughs> <But> <laughs> That's just, not good. It's where the announcer's just like, 
you never think about sexuality in a robot before. And he goes, the gay robots from Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, C-3PO probably was. Like, (laughs) if if he was anything, he was probably that. But yeah, no, seeing bumbly C-3PO, still bumbly, Mm. but murdery. It was, it was, it made, it made for some really fun moments of levity. The coloring them, uh, uh, like matte black was a bit yeah. like on the nose, like they're the evil ones. So they're this color. Like, did you get up to the panel where they paint triple zero gold? Yes. Yeah. In yeah. The, in the crossover, yeah. So there's a fun moment where they, in the crossover, in the crossover issue where they paint triple O golds and he engages in some subterfuge and tries to capture Luke. And I thought that was just. So good, so clever. His Great eyes, writing. his eyes suddenly glow red, and that's yeah. when it looks like, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not C three PO. Something's wrong here. Speaking of Doctor Afra, um, I thought I I said earlier I've got some notes on her. On the one hand, this is a very general note. She's a bit too quippy, and I, I don't know. Took if, me out of it. Yeah, at times. Bit. But in a deeper level, one part I had was when she provides the droids for Vader. And then she just is basically like, you're going to kill me now, aren't you? And Vader's like, hmm? And she's like, well, yeah, I've done the job and you can't leave any loose ends, so you got to kill me now, right? And I was like, that's a bit weird, but, you know, I'll see where it goes. And then basically she, so I took down her, a line of hers that kind of sums it up, mm. right? She goes, you need to win, Lord Vader. This is for a higher cause. And I'm like, why are you trying to die so, like, are you suicidal? Because this is like... I get like I get resigning like Vader's gonna kill you. Go well, fuck now. I can't do anything. I I literally can't do anything else. So mm. accept your fate. She's like egging him on. Like you should kill me. It's a smart thing to do. And I'm like, why are you suicidal? Like why are you so hell bent on being killed? And then later, she then doesn't want to die. So I'm like, which is it? I feel like it was meant to be like a, a quippy, interesting in the moment line. Yeah, and it just rang hollow to me. I was like, it may so. Yeah, I agree. It made more contextual sense once she talks a bit more about her background and her upbringing, the fact that she was caught in the Clone Wars and so she saw the devastation that the Empire brought on places. Oh, you and mean the, the Separatists? Yeah. Yeah. And so she's now at a point where she is at the epicenter. She's with Vader, right? And so she kind of just is... Yeah, no, I can't. I don't. It's, I don't have a good explanation for it. It was just really weird. It was just I couldn't make out. You know, you you want to take a character as they present, and you want to make sense of them. It just didn't make sense because if fair enough, if she's she supports Vader, like fair enough, because she does. She goes, I believe in your cause, and fair enough if she even goes, I recognize that I'm a loose end, and you feel that you need to kill me. But just then, a little bit of like, I feel I could be of some help though. Like fair enough if you want to kill me, but plead my case a little bit i think i could be of some use to you if you do keep me alive what's interesting is that she's cognizant of the fact that he will murder her well exactly Um, but then she steals from him well that's what i mean it's like like do you or do you not want to die yeah and are you or are you not loyal because he she she seems to be a mixture of four different combinations yeah at any one time it's just really inconsistent i don't know like i'm only part way through you are ahead of me yeah so there might be a reveal. But no, it, I would agree that her character is inconsistent. Yeah, it would make more sense for her to be one way and then reveal to be another way. But in that moment, it was like, what is your goal here? Like, yeah, you're literally asking to be killed. He is the one who sees the sense of like, no, you are useful and I know I can kill you at any time. You yeah. know that. So you're more likely to follow my orders and not betray me. So I'll keep you alive. Mm. But well, if, she, if she was like, yeah, you need to kill me. He goes, all right, pfft. <laughs> like end of story it's like what a weak what a p- 
piss weak way to go out for a character. So Absolutely. I told him he should kill me and then he killed me. So was there any emotional attachment? Nah, just made sense. Yeah, logic. Absolutely. Logic was the reason. Like, And she's an interesting character. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Her character's muddled and confused. She drives the story along in a really fun way. So there are moments where she will engage in subterfuge and she hired a bunch of mercs to steal a bunch of credits that Vader was moving. And there is, uh, she leads him into a trap knowingly and then pretends that she hasn't knowingly led him into a trap to his face. Mm. I think she might be force sensitive though. I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's like the default um, fan theory of all characters. Like any characters not already a Jedi go, I think there might be force sensitive. Well, it's just because Vader can't read her that well. And Vader, mm. and Vader, what one of the things that we see, I think, from Vader here that we don't always get from different Jedi, other than maybe Yoda, is a really powerful sense of insight. Right. He'll be questioning people and they will say something and he'll say, lying. Mm. And they'll keep questioning and they'll say something else and they'll say, yep, he's telling the truth. And not all jedi have that sense of insight no there's there's different levels and like force it apparently has something to do with the lightsaber colors as well oh really yeah so a very very rough understanding obviously red is sith blue is meant to be jedis who are more focused on lightsaber and like actual real world application Mm. tactical application green is meant to be more force based so they're like force and Force based in like force exploration and like and exploring powers and stuff. Obi Wan was a green lightsaber. Yoda was a green lightsaber. Obi Wan was blue. Uh, Qui Gon was green. Well, and and Qui Gon couldn't do the mind tricks though. Qui Gon's better. I mean, he did the force thing on like the when they were picking up Anakin first, and he was like he was doing the uh, trying to do it to um, trying to do it to that alien that was on a. a, a a uncomfortably close racial stereotype character, like yeah. a dealing, like um, whatever. I, t- I can't remember his name. I'm like struggling there. But he tries to do it to him, and he's like, "No, it doesn't work on me." And he's like, "Ah, bollocks!" But then also, it turns out later he is the first one of their kind of generation to start doing the living after death. So Qui Gon was the first. Is he one the to first Force Ghost? Well, not he, uh, canonically yes uh, yeah he is mm. i suppose yeah because at the so spoilers i mean you've worked out now if you're in this deep you and he ends in obi-wan yeah that's on you he appears at the end of the obi-wan series as a force ghost yeah, so canonically does, yeah. i think he's the first one because the first one in the films would have been obi-wan in the f- sixth film in the first the first film appearance was the sixth film he appears after in the cave and he's like, yeah, I lied to you. Vader is your dad. Like, that was the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Obi-Wan was taught that by a force ghost, Qui-Gon. Yeah. So of their generation, yeah, Qui-Gon was the first. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, you've completely derailed me. Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll bring it back on uh, a character I really liked was... No, I was, I, I was in the middle of something. Okay. Um, um, it was about force sensitivity and reading people like different gen- yeah no vader's yeah so vader's, you think afra might be force sensitive yeah because so yeah i know i think she is and i think that's where they're going with it because the whole way through it we see this really strong level of insight from vader and then around her he doesn't really seem to have much insight mm. he trusts her um he doesn't care about her very much oh yeah he doesn't care about anyone except there's a point did you have did you read past where she got captured? No, I was I was going to, but you know, go ahead. He makes it quite clear that 
Um, he doesn't care whether she comes back living or dead. That was expected. Yeah, I, um, I wasn't going to be shocked. Like, what a twist! But like, one of the one of the same mercs that she hires brings back a corpse, and he's right. like, "Sorry, I had to incinerate her." And Vader looks at it. And he's like, "It's not. This. <laughs> um, it's not her. I just know it's not her." And mm. that's the first time he's ever really been able. He's ever actually was that uh, Boba Fett quarterback? No, uh, it was. Um, the little one. <laughs> the only reason I ask is because there's a line in um, in one of the original films where Vader's hiring Boba Fett and he goes, and don't uh, bring this one whole, no vaporizations this time or something. And it always, it stuck out to me because there's a, there is a, a conspiracy, a, a fan theory that I like that Boba's really shit as a bounty hunter. And that line makes it sound like he went a bit too heavy and vaporized yeah. someone last time. Whereas then the theory is like, maybe he was just really shit. He accidentally vaporized the last one. He was like, oh yeah, I uh, I taught him a lesson. Yeah, yeah I really showed and him. They were like, well, we didn't want you to do that. I was like, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, I'm mean, and I? It wasn't a mistake. I'm just a mean bounty hunter. I would imagine this is a reference to that. Could be, could be. But no, it wasn't Boba Fett. Boba Fett does turn up though, doesn't he? I don't think I've got to that point, but I, I literally saw he's advertised as like, being in it or something yeah he turns up yeah that's expected because um, it's that time has this admiral akbar the akbar Ad- admiral akbar hmm. it's a um, trap so he is general akbar here yep um is that above or promotion or hasn't been promoted to admiral yet do you think different we don't branches. we don't know the military we don't know the military the army grades. has generals the navy has admirals okay so he sidestepped from one to the other you think so he is the general in charge of the defense of his home planet. Right. That the Empire is assaulting. The Empire in the form of Vader. Right. And so he's General Akmar, I would imagine, because he's in a domestic army. On land. But then yeah, but then when he goes into space on ships. Because space uses for some reason, space when when people talk about space stuff, they always use nautical terms, not air force terms. Well, I suppose it's because it's, yeah, it's treated like ships and stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Ships and exploring new land and stuff like that. Whereas aircrafts, it wasn't like, we're exploring new space. It's like, you're just going up in the sky. I can see you. Whereas ships were like new lands, new expeditions. But General, so General Akbar's there and they're planning the defense of their city. And the king says, well, I, I have two plans and I'm going to try the first one and then I'm going to try the oh, second Oh yeah, I did one. read up to this part. Yeah. 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 And I was really excited for somebody to ask what the plan was and for General Akbar to tell them that... Is it a trap? <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah, no, I was like, come on, you've got to do it. Guys, You have, just for me, you just have to do it. And they didn't. Well, are you watching any of the live action series? Uh, I watched I watched the first season of Mando. Maybe the first two seasons of Mando. We're on the third season now, aren't we? Yes, it's now coming out. Yeah, so I've watched the first two seasons of Mando, and I watched all of Obi-Wan. I devoured Obi-Wan. It was so good. You might need to see some episodes of the Boba Fett series to make sense of Mandalorian season three, because Boba Fett was essentially Mandalorian 2.5. Like, Mandalorian is in it, and some important shit happens that they fail to mention when season three starts. So some people who didn't watch Boba, Mm. they skipped it, started Mandalorian season three and went when the fuck did this happen it's like Boba Fett like that happened there so you might need that but I mean how, uh, I, you know what I'm like for spoilers why, why, how much do you care about spoilers oh, okay. it's barely a spoiler barely a spoiler but the it's a trap reference is made <gasps> in to an Akbar 
<sighs> like species, like one of them. Not only have you not spoiled it, you've made my day. Yeah, made you more inclined to go watch it. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. anything, yeah. A uh, character I did quite like, for as much as I read what happens to them, was the character of Thanos. And I only know that that's his name because I made a note of it because I can remember because it sounds like Mike Tyson saying Thanos. Who's Thanos? Thanos, Thanos is the second guy who shadows him. So he's the very capable, smart... Yeah, I really enjoyed him. Yeah. And th- what's good about the relationship is for the first one, Vader's just annoyed by this guy. Mm. Like, he's obviously just a pencil pusher, doing his job, taking notes, and Vader's just like, oh, I hate this guy. I just want to get rid of him. Whereas Thanos, I think, does quietly earn Vader's respect yeah, by yeah. being good at his job, being smart, thorough, and he's not imposing. Like, he's always... He, he kind of allows Vader the time and space to be like, look, you're obviously in charge. You know what to do. You know who you know who was asking me to do. Let's work together. Let's make this as easy as possible for each other. And I think Vader at that point is just like, yeah, I still don't like you. But then when Thanos is like, figures out Vader's heist, the orchestrated, and Vader's watching him figure out, he's like, well, this is bad for me. But I admire his skills. Like, real, yeah. real recognize real. Like, I, I respect how good he is at figuring out what I've done. Yeah, And absolutely. putting me in hot water. And he's just got to sit there stone-faced with a mix of respect and fear. Like, all right, fair enough. Uh, that was an interesting dynamic. And then he uses the Jedi mind trip to get himself out of it. Having made very clear that he doesn't do that. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that whole issue was great, wasn't it? I don't think I got to that point. I think I... The point I was at, um, Thanoff was still... They're going after the, the crime boss who yeah. Vader secretly kills. Like, it's like, yeah. oh, he died. <laughs> I think that was the point where Thanos was like, yeah, I think I'm starting to suspect Vader. Yeah. So obviously, you know, it's, it's continued on from there, obviously. But he was an interesting, well-written character. Um, and they're playing with the dynamics with Vader as well, which helps a lot. Like, all the characters are in relation to Vader. How yeah. are they seen? So Aphra is seen as a useful servant. Yeah. Thanos is might might risk his place but he begrudgingly respects him or the jedi fakes are you know disrespectful to his religion that he destroyed but he still has that inherent hate of like fakes you know like people who shouldn't be doing what they they haven't earned the right to do what he does but also he destroyed the the entire institution that they're copying yeah and i thought that was so interesting because it speaks so loudly to somebody who has been indoctrinated and institutionalized and i thought that was one of the most interesting parts of the whole thing is watching him come to terms with the fact that people have no respect for the institution that he loved and destroyed well i mean it's all that thing is like did he love it how and if he did was it just not as much as he loved padme yeah and was that the whole thing like it's a really weird one like there's also a realization that I have recently seen, like some Star Wars theorists who were like, you know, Jedi's were allowed to have sex and relationships, but it, or they, you know, they weren't like celibate priests, but what it was was they couldn't have like committed relationships. That was the thing. So I think there's a misconception. Really? Yeah. Cause I think that's, there's a misconception that Jedi's had to be, yeah, well, like celibate priests, but it was to, if they had someone important to them, that could be used to, not necessarily corrupt them like Anakin, because I think Yoda was a bit... Yoda made it sound like that was an overall rule. It's like, That's if you fall um, in love, you will go the stages. Was it anger, fear, fear, yeah, evil, yeah. whatever? I can't remember off the top of my head. But I think that was just Yoda being Yoda. The actual thing was, if, if it's like if you were like police, you were intergalactic police, if you had a wife, 
you could be corrupted by yeah, like, yeah, we've, yeah. we've we'll find your wife and kill her that's you know? the ultimate fuckboy shit yeah i'm really sorry i can't have a deeper commitment my religion prohibits <laughs> yeah. it i'm I really fuck, sorry I can fuck yeah, yeah no i can smash but i'm not <laughs> no no second date baby no like and the the reason i think that came about was there's a strong theory that obi-wan has a son uh, the son of a Mandalorian politician who in the Clone Wars, it's heavily hinted that they had a thing. So Obi-Wan, he was a stickler for the rules. But if he did have a kid, it's did he break the rules at one point? Or was it more that he didn't break the rules, but he, he knew of this existence? Doesn't care if his kid gets murdered. <laughs> I think, well, more like I can't, I mean, would it be more dangerous to publicly acknowledge the kid? Yeah, yeah, That's this is it. yeah, 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 no. Um... But there's a there's a kid of a woman who he obviously had a history with, and the kid suspiciously looks like Obi Wan. If you watch Clone Wars, you can find her there, and That's it's so it's quite cool. funny. Yeah, I never realised that. And so, yeah, um, and you know the whole the whole prequel shtick um, is a bit contrived in places, I think, and I suppose. Any modern Star Wars stuff is bound to what happened in the prequels, and we kind of have to follow on from it, and it's referenced here, and it has to be referenced. Yeah. But they do a good job of dealing with it and not prequeling all over it. Yes, and I think what's good as well is when you have the confines and the the restrictions of an existing story, it forces creativity. It, it It's... The restrictions force a writer to be more creative because they're like, right, we have this space we can play in. It's limited, but, you know, that forces you to be more creative. And did you know that Gen Z think we're weird for not liking the prequels? Well, I like the prequels, but, uh, but I also understand why people don't like them. Okay, not... When I say us, I mean millennials. Gen Z think us millennials are weird because of our shit opinion on the prequels. What, whether we do or don't like them? Yeah, they're like, no, the prequels are fine. They're good films. Like, they're, they are the Star Wars films that I know. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the, this kind of, I think this bashing on the prequels is slowly dissipating. I think what it was, was the prequels exposed uh, George Lucas's lack of skill when it comes to dialogue. Because yeah. the original trilogy are not overly dialogue heavy. And there's also points in the dialogue where you go, wait, what? But you don't notice them because Star Wars was a brand new thing and it was all, you know, distracting and amazing. And then the prequels, we were used to that CGI, we're used yeah. to that, you know, looking film. And then you'd hear the I don't like sand line. And it's like only years later do you, a lot of fans kind of realize I get what he's getting at. It's not sand he doesn't like, it's he he has bad memories of his home world where yeah, he was born. Absolutely. But it, uh, George Lucas just very cack-handed when it comes to metaphors and i think you have to acknowledge that they took a really really popular it's essentially a spaghetti western set in space yeah 100 percent. and then they followed it up with a political drama yes uh, the shift in tone there is a big one it's massive well. isn't it and yeah. so original star wars fans would of course have been turned off because they liked fun wacky space adventure action film and what they got was something other than that but i think i think it means there's this tonal there's this massive tonal disconnect and you see it here you see it you know when you when you're watching han solo and um uh, luke mm. and leia communicate with each other and it's all buddy buddy oh hey that luke kid's nuts kind of stuff yeah 
and then you go back to Vader's memories of being Anakin, and you're like, oh, they just don't play off against each other very well. It's, yeah. it's, it's so tonally different. And even here in a comic book, I think you notice that big disconnect in the series where there is a million different tonal shifts that happen. And then even if you go to the stuff that's happening now, like Obi-Wan and the Mandalorian are these really well-made, great action TV series. Mm. And they kind of look a bit funny compared to the original trill. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, there's a big... I mean. I would love one day to sit down, say, give me everything that is canonical, and right. I'm going to watch it from start to finish in order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, literally, like, I'm going to start with the prequels, and I'm going to go through that, and then all of the stuff they're kind of slotting into the timeline now, I'm going to slot it all in in the place it goes, and just do, do it the way that we do Lord of the Rings every few years, yeah. you know? And, just, and it will take you two months. It will take me two months, and it will be a fucking mess. Yeah. Because of all of the different shifts in tone that we have. And by the end of it, you will look like a Wookiee who's craw crawled from under a rock, <laughs> like, what, seeing the sun for the first time, like, oh, wow, uh, who, was, who shot first? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you see the broader point I'm making, though? It's a difficult one because we've grown, if you've grown up with it to a certain extent, then you have your, yeah. your point. So for us, it was the prequels. Like our age group was the prequels was our Star Wars. They were the first ones out we saw, yeah. Kids. But now the live action shows are kind of extending that. And now you have kids who are growing up with this the sequel trilogy, which is absolute trash. But I know that kids are going to- oh, I like some of it. I liked Last Jedi, which, yeah. which is the worst that you could say to some people. But um, Rise of Skywalker was absolute nonsense. It was literally- the, hit this, how I si this is how I sum up Rise of Skywalker. Uh, 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 Palpatine's back. That was nice. that was it, pretty much. Last nice. Jedi took some swings and misses. Yeah, but I I respect the swings a lot more than anything else. And uh, Episode Seven, um, Force Returns, Force Awakens. Yeah, was just Episode Four again. It literally was just four again. We it? saw that one together. Yes, we did. And I remember our reaction when we came out of it, which was that was fucking great. It was just Episode Four again. I think you were more that, and I was more, that was just episode four again. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't it brilliant that it was just episode four again? I was expecting more I, I, in the moment, <sighs> but retroactively, I'm more of a fan of it now <laughs> compared to nine. I think Rogue One's a bit of a hot mess as well. I love Rogue One. It. Rogue it's One's a, my favorite. It's a hot mess. I think it's great. That's, <laughs> I don't, I, how, what, what's, what's the criticism? Rogue, One, Rogue One's the one that has that fucking weird horse racing no, that's um, that's Last Jedi, I think. Right, okay, yeah, The Last Jedi is a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. The Last Jedi is a hot mess, sorry. So that one has like a casino planet. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Mental. La like, saying that I like Last Jedi, it would be so much better if they took out that that subplot. They just literally needed Finn to do something. Yeah. And it counted for nothing. Like, um, it literally did not contribute at all. And we did not get Finn with a lightsaber. We did in, for a little bit in four. Yeah, but uh, not... In, oh, bloody hell, seven. So he was promised, the actor who plays Finn yeah. was uh, promised. Uh, I almost remember off the top of my head. Um, you keep going. When he, was, when, he, when he auditioned and he was given scripts and stuff, he was promised that he was going to be a Jedi, right? And then they completely scrapped that subplot. And they did him dirty. And he is... John Boyega. John Boyega. And apparently, like, 
John Boyega was quite upset that they did that to his character because we should have gotten Finn with a lightsaber. Like he was so well placed in the first film of that trilogy. And then he well, kind he was, of just... He was a red herring because then it was, it, the, he was used as a red herring to reveal Rey as the force sensitive one. Yeah. So he was, that was his entire point of his appearance in the first film, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they were meant to do like a buddy thing with him and um, the, the Han Solo substitute. The guy plays, um, yeah, yeah, Oscar yeah, Isaac. You know, yeah, Oscar Isaac, his, his character, yeah. But he was just, he was meant to have a buddy buddy thing with him. Poe. Poe, yeah. Um, and then his thing in the third of the sequel trilogy was, um, Ray, I have something to tell you. Yeah. And then <laughs> never addressed her. Yeah. It's that, that last one is the, the, one of the worst films I've ever seen. They did him so dirty. Mm. And, and yeah, I suppose, and this is the thing, I think. Two fake out deaths as well. Yeah. Ridiculous. But no, and, and this is, I suppose this is the problem that's inherent with Star Wars is that we look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's been quite carefully assembled over a really short period of time with a really defined plan. Whereas what we get with the Star Wars universe is this huge cross-platform monster that's been put together by multiple different people over, what, like 50 years at this point? Yeah. And it's unwieldy and the tone, you know, it's so hard to get the tone nailed on. So when I think when you look at a Star Wars story, you kind of have to take a step back for it and just enjoy it what it is. Yeah. Enjoy it for what it is. And I was able to do that here. I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed the characters for what they were. But it's, I suppose it's acknowledging the inherent challenge in telling a Star Wars story in 2023. Yeah. And I think... Or 2015. One thing I do like about the Star Wars franchise, I like that you have all different voices and things. Like, it's the reason I like and or the TV show so much is because it feels so different to the rest of the universe. But I like that then you've got Obi-Wan, which is very heavily jedi and magic and force and all that and i like that having so many different options it makes a franchise more likely to continue because you're covering different bases and that's what thing the mcu struggling with right now is having you know like i don't like this one but i like this one and the mcu is trying to get to a point where they go it's all for everyone like they no have- it's not all for everyone sorry it's you you can like this one and other one ever other people like this one like that's the plus of Star Wars at this point. They don't have one core audience. They have a lot of audiences. Yeah, and across yeah. generations. Whereas the MCU have one generation of audience who are now angry that not everything's for them. Whereas yeah. Star Wars now is like, oh, I like um, Andor because it's more like the original trilogy. And people are like, oh, I like uh, Obi-Wan because it's close to the prequels because it's Ewan McGregor. And yeah. you know, they are covering more bases, which I think is good. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. But it just makes it a challenging corpus to fit stuff into you know yeah and i think this comic is a really interesting one because it does feel part way between the prequels and original trilogy yeah i mean i suppose because you've got anakin backstory but vader's current story yeah exactly and so it's hard because we've never really had a vader story not in, in cinema not in live action no the closest yeah. is obi-wan yeah 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 it kind of is isn't it but we've never yeah this is these comics and this comic and the 2020 comic are really the closest and there'll be star wars fans out there will be like oh well um i mean i'd consider it a failure if we don't get any death threats from star wars fans a um but as far as i've seen this is one of the closest looks you get at vader 
And so it kind of inherently has to because we're seeing a little bit of Anakin creep through, mm. a little bit of his kind of struggle with what he's done creep through. But he is Vader. <laughs> yeah. I would say is my kind of final word yeah. is what makes this good is it makes you interested and invested in the struggles of the villain. And I know we said that up top, yeah. but I think that is still the the sum total of, of what's good about this comic. That- and and about characters you know the uh, outcome of. So not only yeah. is it you root for the villain, you root for a villain that you know is going to happen to. Like not even Breaking Bad had that. Breaking Bad had what's going to happen in the end. Yeah. This is like, you know what's going to happen, but you're, the ride is still fun. Yeah, it's it's fun, isn't it? Because you you know that you're sympathizing with Vader and kind of Darth Vader is almost like a shortcut for saying bad guy at this point, isn't he? Yeah, literally. He People describe the Vader as the bad guy. Yeah. And then also the other synonym is... Um, if someone describe a Palpatine, it's the bad guy behind the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they've become character tropes in and of themselves, haven't they? Yeah. And so to be reading a Vader story and to feel anything for him is really interesting. And on that level, the writers did an excellent job. Yeah. I think the writers did a really great job with Vader. I think you're right that with Arath? The guy, the, sh- the guy shadowing him? The No, 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 no. Oh, Jesus Christ. Afra? Afra, yeah. With Afra, they made some questionable choices. Yeah, I think that again, that's. I wouldn't say that's a negative or that they shouldn't. I mean, right. My qualm with her wanting to live or not, that's like, I think that's a, a problem. But her overall quippiness, I think that's just another flavor that wasn't for me. But I'm, I'm fine with it being a part of a. Um, I'm fine with it being like a part of a variety of the of the overall series so you've it's got shrek the, and donkey again, yeah exactly it? you've got your serious yeah. stuff you've got her she's a bit lighter and she's a bit quippy and cooler points and then you've got you know sad stuff evil stuff so i was fine with her inclusion as general character i just had a specific qualm with one bit of um her her motivation should we say but i suppose in the early issues that's so central to her character because it's one of the first things that we kind of one of the first times we see her speak in a notable way. True. And so but, it's like right up front, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it could have been better, as I said. I think I, I would have bought it a bit more if she was just like, I know you're going to kill me, but maybe, maybe you don't. <laughs> she was she was like, come on, let, I'll, I'll put it in for me. You just, you leave your hand there. I'll do the motion and you, st- I'll stab myself and you, you just take the credit. Like, yeah, absolutely. It was just so weird. You just yeah. take the kill. So I think on that note, we uh, gone a bit long, but it's Star Wars. So that was, a, that was inevitable. And I uh, think we'll probably end up doing another Star Wars title at some point, maybe around the release of something. So we can kind of yeah, time maybe. it in and be like, hey, let's do this one when this is Because there's always Star Wars being released. Star Wars is a permanent fixture like uh, Christianity at this point. And it wasn't for a long time, was it? No, not until the the sequels, I'd say, but to this level. And yeah. Di- Disney Plus is like a huge part of that as well. Yeah, it's cool. We, we live in a golden age of Star Wars stuff. And by golden age, we mean some of it's good, some of it's shit. <laughs> that's, but there's a shitload of it. <laughs> if you like any Star Wars, you're probably going to be catered to in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you for listening. Um, it's been a wonderful ride. I'm not in the mood to plug anything today. I thought you. I thought you sounded like you're about to go into song, like like a musical, like a wonderful ride. Like, I'm just taking the energy down, and I'm just kind of you know. We, we've been shouting for like an hour. Yeah, and a half, yeah, my so. poor neighbour. Um, so I'm just gently easing everybody out of the. Okay. Do you wanna do you generally remember the the plug the email address? Comicliterate at gmail.com. Fantastic. So if you'd like to explain to me all of the reasons that everything that we said about Star Wars is wrong. And why we should 
kill ourselves for daring to have an opinion. Yeah. yeah. Then you can email us at comicliterate at gmail.com. The market as hate mail, so I can pick it out. The most insulting. We will read one. on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the most, no, no, no. The most insulting one. Um, leave your address. <laughs> and the most insulting one will get a written reply on a vintage Star Wars postcard. Yeah. A prize. Yeah. Yeah. And with your address, we'll for that to the, not the police, uh, someone who isn't the police. Vader. Yeah. Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening and good night. Good night, Godspeed, and in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do it. Thank you. <laughs>